0: life is complex join us for the simple gifts of wisdom love and delight in the written word plato's apology part three i have said enough in my defense against the first class of my accusers i turn to the second class they are headed by Miletus, that good man and true lover of his country, as he calls himself. Against these two, I must try to make a defense. Let their affidavit be read. It contains something of this kind. It says that Socrates is a doer of evil, who corrupts the youth, and who does not believe in the gods of the state, but has other new divinities of his own. Such is the charge. And now, let us examine the particular counts. He says that I am a doer of evil and corrupt the youth. But I say, O men of Athens, that Miletus is a doer of evil, in that he pretends to be in earnest when he is only in jest, and is so eager to bring men to trial from a pretended zeal and interest about matters in which he really never had the smallest interest. And the truth of this I will endeavor to prove to you. Come hither, Meletus, and let me ask a question of you. You think a great deal about the improvement of youth? Yes, I do. Tell the judges, then, who is their improver? For you must know, as you have taken the pains to discover their corrupter and are citing and accusing me before them. Speak, then, and tell the judges who their improver is. Observe, Miletus, that you are silent, and have nothing to say. But is not this rather disgraceful, and a very considerable proof of what I am saying, that you have no interest in the matter? Speak up, friend, and tell us who their improver is. The laws. But that, my good sir, is not my meaning. I want to know who the person is, who, in the first place, knows the laws. The judges, Socrates, who are present in court. What? Do you mean to say, Miletus, that they are able to instruct and improve youth? Certainly they are. What, all of them? or some only, and not others? All of them. By the goddess Hera, that is good news. There are plenty of improvers then. And what do you say of the audience? Do they improve them? Yes, they do. And the senators? Yes, the senators improve them. But perhaps the members of the assembly corrupt them. Or do they improve them too? They improve them. Then every Athenian improves and elevates them, all with the exception of myself, and I alone am their corrupter. Is that what you affirm? That is what I stoutly affirm. I am very unfortunate, if you are right. But suppose I ask you a question. How about horses? Does one man do them harm and all the world good? Is not the exact opposite the truth. One man is able to do them good, or at least not many. The trainer of horses, that is to say, does them good. And others who have to do with them rather injure them. Is not that true, Miletus, of horses or of any other animals? Whether you and Anatus say yes or no. Happy, indeed, would be the condition of youth if they had one corrupter only, and all the rest of the world were their improvers. But you, Miletus, have sufficiently shown that you never had a thought about the young. Your carelessness is seen in your not caring about the very things which you bring against me. And now, Miletus, I will ask you another question. By Zeus I will. Which is better? to live among bad citizens or among good ones answer friend i say the question is one which may be easily answered do not the good do their neighbors good and the bad do them evil certainly and is there any one who would rather be injured than benefited by those who live with him answer my good friend the law requires you to answer Does anyone like to be injured? Certainly not. And when you accuse me of corrupting and deteriorating the youth, do you allege that I corrupt them intentionally or unintentionally? Intentionally, I say. But you have just admitted that the good do their neighbors good, and the evil do them evil. Now, Is that a truth which your superior wisdom has recognized thus early in life? And am I, at my age, in such darkness and ignorance as not to know that if a man with whom I have to live is corrupted by me, I am very likely to be harmed by him? And yet I corrupt him, and intentionally too. So you say although neither I nor any other human being is ever likely to be convinced by you. But either I do not corrupt them, or I corrupt them unintentionally. And on either view of the case, you lie. If my offense is unintentional, the law has no cognizance of unintentional offenses. You ought to have taken me privately, and warned, and admonished me. For if I had been better advised, I should have left off doing what I only did unintentionally. No doubt I should. But you would have nothing to say to me and refuse to teach me. And now you bring me up in this court, which is a place not of instruction, but of punishment. It will be very clear to you, Athenians, as I was saying, that Miletus has no care at all, great or small, about the matter. But still, I should like to know, Miletus, in what I am affirmed to corrupt the young. I suppose you mean, as I infer from your indictment, that I teach them not to acknowledge the gods which the state acknowledges, but some other new divinities or spiritual agencies in their stead. These are the lessons by which I corrupt their youth, as you say. Yes, I say that emphatically. Then, by the gods, Miletus, of whom we are speaking, tell me, and the court, in somewhat plainer terms, what you mean. For I do not as yet understand whether you affirm that I teach other men to acknowledge some gods, and therefore I do believe in gods, and am not an entire atheist. This you do not lay to my charge. But only you say that they are not the same gods which the city recognizes. The charge is that they are different gods. Or do you mean that I am an atheist simply, and a teacher of atheism? I mean the latter, that you are a complete atheist. What an extraordinary statement! Why do you think so, Miletus? Do you mean that I do not believe in the Godhead of the sun or moon, like other men? I assure you, judges, that he does not, for he says that the sun is stone, and the moon earth. Friend Miletus, you think that you are accusing Anaxagoras, and you have but a bad opinion of the judges if you fancy them illiterate to such a degree, as not to know that these doctrines are found in the books of Anaxagoras, the Clatsomenian, which are full of them. And so, forsooth, the youth are said to be taught them by Socrates, when there are not unfrequently exhibitions of them at the theatre, and they might pay their money, and laugh at Socrates if he pretends to follow these extraordinary views. And so, Miletus, you really think that I do not believe in any god? I swear by Zeus that you believe absolutely in none at all. Nobody will believe you, Miletus, and I am pretty sure that you do not believe yourself. I cannot help thinking, men of Athens, that Miletus is reckless and impudent and that he has written this indictment in a spirit of mere wantonness and youthful bravado. Has he not compounded a riddle, thinking to try me? He said to himself, I shall see whether the wise Socrates will discover my facetious contradiction, or whether I shall be able to deceive him and the rest of them. For he certainly does appear to me to contradict himself in the indictment, as much as if he said that Socrates is guilty of not believing in the gods, and yet of believing in them. But this is not like a person who is in earnest. I should like you, O men of Athens, to join me in examining what I conceive to be his inconsistency. And do you, Miletus, answer. And I must remind the audience of my request that they would not make a disturbance if I speak in my accustomed manner. Did ever man, Miletus, believe in the existence of human things, and not of human beings. I wish, men of Athens, that he would answer, and not be always trying to get up an interruption. Did ever any man believe in horsemanship and not in horses, or in flute playing and not in flute players? No, my friend. I will answer to you and to the court, as you refuse to answer for yourself. There is no man who ever did. But now please to answer the next question. Can a man believe in spiritual and divine agencies and not in spirits or demigods? He cannot. How lucky I am to have extracted that answer by the assistance of the court. But then you swear in the indictment that I teach and believe in divine or spiritual agencies, new or old, no matter for that. At any rate, I believe in spiritual agencies, so you say and swear in the affidavit. And yet, if I believe in divine beings, how can I help believing in spirits or demigods? Must I not? To be sure, I must, and therefore I may assume that your silence gives consent. Now, what are spirits or demigods? Are they not either gods or the sons of gods? certainly they are. But this is what I call the facetious riddle invented by you. The demigods or spirits are gods, and you say first that I do not believe in gods, and then again that I do believe in gods. That is, if I believe in demigods, for if the demigods are the illegitimate sons of gods, whether by the nymphs or by any other mothers of whom they are said to be the sons, What human being will ever believe that there are no gods if they are the sons of gods? You might as well affirm the existence of mules and deny that of horses and asses. Such nonsense, Miletus, could only have been intended by you to make trial of me. You have put this into the indictment because you had nothing real of which to accuse me. But no one who has a particle of understanding will ever be convinced by you that the same men can believe in divine and superhuman things, and yet not believe that there are gods and demigods and heroes? I have said enough in answer to the charge of Miletus. Any elaborate defense is unnecessary, but I know only too well how many are the enmities which I have incurred. And this is what will be my destruction if I am destroyed. Not Miletus, nor yet Anatus, but the envy and detraction of the world, which has been the death of many good men, and will probably be the death of many more. There is no danger of my being the last of them. Tis the gift to be simple. Tis the gift to be free. Tis the gift to come down where we ought to be. And when we find ourselves in the place just right, t'will be in the valley of love and delight.